0: The following sermon by Nelson Atwood was recorded at Noble Park Evangelical Baptist Church. For more information, please visit their website at www.noblebaptist.org.au. That's www.noblebaptist.org.au. What I want to talk about tonight was the omniscience of God. God's knowing everything, and, and I, didn't, I didn't think about it when you were talking initially, but as you finished up, I realized just how well they dovetail together. When I was a kid, my mom used to uh, would make uh, cookies or chocolate crackles. Does, do people still make chocolate crackles in Australia? Oh, man. I haven't had a good chocolate crackle in I don't know how long. Yeah, I know what you're thinking, too. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> but my mom used to put a box of crackles out, and, and and somebody in the house, I'm not saying who it was, it might have been me, it might have been somebody else, uh, would always be stealing chocolate crackles out of the tin. And uh, one day my mom got even. She She thought... You know, I threaten life and limb. Uh, whenever I ask, nobody's taken them, but somehow the, the, the level just dropped dramatically when she made chocolate crackles. And so one day my, my mom got even. One of us, who will remain nameless to preserve and protect the guilty, uh, snuck in there and pulled the lid off the tin and went to take one. And as I looked down, Right across the top, my mama put a piece of paper in the thing, and all it said was, Thou, God, seest me. And I knew in that absolute moment that... And I, and I sat there, and I wrestled. I thought, you know, can, I mean, God can't be everywhere. He can't be looking... Surely He's busy in, you know, Afghanistan or Uganda or somewhere else that needs a pin more than here. And maybe I'll just... And I wrestled, and I knew. I knew that God could see me. And that verse, that little story, or the, the, the phrase, the verse, Thou God seest me, is really what the God's omniscience is all about. We're looking at, in this, these evening services, who is God? What's he like? And something that's, that's beyond our comprehension that we accept, and we can look at a whole pile of scriptures, and we're going to look at a fair few in the time we got, and to see about God's knowledge and God's omniscience. And he is a God who knows everything. The Bible says that God, or th- sorry, theologians summarize all the things that the, the Bible says about God's knowledge. And they say, God fully knows himself and he knows all things. Actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. There's nothing outside of God's knowledge. Elihu said in Job 37 that God is the one perfect in knowledge. John said in 1 John 3.20 that God is greater than our heart and knows all things. In First Chronicles 28.9 it says, The Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek Him, He will let you find Him, but if you seek Him, He will reject you forever." The Lord searches the hearts. In Psalm 33, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from his dwelling place. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them, he understands all their works. There are depths and corners and nooks and crannies in your heart. That not even you know and understand. The Lord searches the very depths of those hearts. He knows everything about them. God fully knows himself. It's an amazing fact since God's own being is infinite. And only he who is also infinite can know himself in every detail. You and I don't even know ourselves to the detail that God knows us. But beyond that, in an infinite reach, he knows himself in an infinite detail. First Corinthians 2 says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what person knows a man's thoughts except the spirit of the man which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. God's knowledge originates within Himself. He didn't learn anything. We all struggled. You struggled with math. I struggled with algebra. You all struggled with something to learn something. God didn't learn anything. He's always known everything fully and completely. He doesn't reason facts and figures to arrive at a a different formula. He just knows it all inherently within himself. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did God consult and give him understanding? And who taught God in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? And the implied answer is nobody. What he taught our God. He knows it all. His knowledge is complete. Here's one just one simple thought from Isaiah 40 again. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created the stars. The one who leads them forth, leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might. Doesn't that just stagger your mind? To look out on a night sky and we see. We can't even comprehend how small a percentage of the stars that we can see. And God, if you will, puts his hand out and takes the stars by hand and he leads them out like a Sunday school teacher with her little class and leads them out and he calls them all by name. Here you go, Plorius and Acturus and all the other funny names they give stars. I don't know why they give them funny names, but they do. And he names them all by name and he knows every single one. He doesn't go, hey, you, the, the bright one over there, come here. He knows them all by name. We can't even begin to count the depth of the stars of God. He knows them. His knowledge is absolutely complete. God knows things hidden from human understanding. Ken Ham. He does know the name of Ken Ham. Creation. Yeah, you'd know him for sure. I think he's a Kiwi, is he not? Queenslander. Queenslander. Okay, even better. So, <laughs> he said something years ago that I never forgot. He said, no matter how much you know, There's an infinite amount that you still don't know. So no matter how much you know, you don't know how much you don't know. So face it, you don't know much at all. And that's exactly right. You say how pessimistic a thought, but you know, it's absolutely true. Our minds cannot comprehend how much we don't know. But God knows everything that's even hidden from human understanding. Scientists are pretty smart fellows. I'll give them that. They can figure out some pretty complex things. I've been watching a bit of a biography on Einstein, and his brain was something out there compared to my poor carpenter brain. But you know what? The Bible says that God knows things hidden from human understanding. The secret things, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever. God knows all things actual. Actual. That means all things that exist and all things that happen. In Hebrews 4, it says, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That was my downfall with a chuck of crackles because everything was laid open and bare. He saw me as I was in the cupboard looking around to make sure nobody else could see me, but God still could see me. God knows the future. He is the only one who can say in Isaiah 49, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. You and I can speculate about how something is going to end. We can kind of put our heads in and go, you know, that horse there, it's got all the length and the stride and the speed. It can probably beat the other horses down the track, and we can probably speculate as to which of the ten horses lined up at the start line will come across the end line furnished, but we're only speculating. God knows for a fact God knows future so well that for him it is no longer a speculation. It is already a fact of history for God. He sees everything as in a moment. God knows our actions and our thoughts. Take your Bibles, go to the book of the Psalms. We'll go to Psalm 139. We'll read just the first six verses. This great Psalm of David. And and it's titled in my Bible, a little subheading there, God's Omnipresence and God's Omniscience. And they go together hand in hand. Actually, we'll read the whole psalm because it's worth it. Twenty-four verses. It won't won't hurt us. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand, sorry, my understand my thoughts from afar. You have scrutinized my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is night dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought, woven together. In the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. God knows all our actions and our thoughts. He searched us and knew us when we sit down and when we arise and we discern our thoughts from afar. God knows every word we're going to speak. It's before it's on our tongue, the Lord knows it. That's amazing knowledge. That's knowledge only God can have. He knows all the days of our lives even before we were born. He has them all written down. Isn't that marvelous? Just to think of that. We worry so much and so quickly and so easily about things we can't see and we don't understand. And yet God says, I have all the days of your life written down. I know exactly how your life's going to go. I've got everything under control. God knows all the people's needs. In Matthew 6, he says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask. Isn't that a great thought? We go to God in prayer, and he knows what we need, even before we lift up our voices and we cry out to him for help. God knows all the people's hearts and minds. In Jeremiah 17, the Bible says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give each man according to his deeds, according to the results of his deeds. God knows also all people's sin. The Bible says in Jeremiah 16:17 for my eyes are on all their ways they are not hidden from my face nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes in Hosea 7 they do not consider in their hearts that i remember all their wickedness now their deeds are all around them they are before my face god knows everything actual past present and future he also knows all things that are possible Now, you stop for a moment and take one person's life. Don't take their whole life. Just take one day and take one hour out of that day. How many different things are possible for that person to do in one hour? Now count up the hours of that person's day and that person's week and that person's year and life and multiply it by about $9 God knows every single detail. I don't know about you, but when the psalmist said that's too wonderful, it's too high for me, I'm going, yep, I get it, too high for me. Can't understand that for anything. I just trust God that he knows what he's doing with my life. He knows all things possible. Jesus could state that Tyre and Sidon would have repented... If, they, if Jesus' miracles had been done in the former days, he says in Matthew 11, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He even knew the possibilities if something had happened all those years ago. The fact that God knows all things possible can also be seen from God's full knowledge of himself. Since God fully knows himself, he knows everything he is able to do, which includes all the things that are possible. I, I just, you got to stop and step back and go, wow, that's too high for me. I can't understand that, Lord. So when you think about all these things, and there's, there's so much more, I, I literally cut hundreds, and hundreds, Dozens of verses out of my study because I knew if I just started going to every verse about the knowledge of God We would be here all night and it might turn into a very dry theology study But I wanted this to make have hands and feet and help us live our lives How does knowing about God's omniscience help us to live our lives for him? in Psalm 139 again in verse 1 God's knowledge of us is absolutely complete. He has searched our hearts he searched our minds. He has searched our bodies. He searched our thoughts. He knows the thoughts of our hearts before we even form them. God's knowledge includes all of our actions. You say, how does this help me with my life before the living God? Number one, if He knows all those things, He knows even the sins that we have committed, we don't even know. You, you want to know about the grace of God? Think of this. You think, what a gracious God that he forgave me. And I know something of my sin that he forgave me for. But in the grace of God, he didn't tell me all my sins. I I couldn't bear the weight of knowing all those sins were, and yet he forgave me all of those things. That's grace has grace beyond a level that we we just can't get our hands around. We just have to stop and look up to God and say, wow, what an amazing God you are. But you know what? We cannot deceive God. You can walk into this church and you can walk into some other church and you can deceive everybody in the room. I can put on my preacher face and my preacher outfit and my preacher shoes and grab my preacher Bible. I can show up at church and I can do all the right things. I can say all the right things. I can sing all the hymns. I can shed occasional crocodile tears and everybody will be convinced wow, what a spiritual guy that guy is. But there is one I will never deceive. He sees my heart, he knows what's truly going on in here. And my plea with us all is to be absolutely open and honest with God, to pour out our hearts to God in full honesty. You can't hide it from him. He already knows every intimate detail about you. All he longs for is us to agree with him and say, you're right, I'm a sinner, but you're God and you're gracious and you've forgiven me because of what Jesus did. You'll never fool God. And beyond that, because God knows all, past and present, future, actual and possible. And because we know from Romans 8.28 that God is working everything for our good. The Bible says we know that God causes all things... All things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And because God is intimately acquainted with us in every single detail, we can trust him. You want a reason to have faith in God? God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows every single detail of your life. And some of us wrestle about where God is taking us and what God is doing with us in our life. Why are we such we struggling? We think I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can handle this problem. I don't know if I can handle this future. I don't know if I can handle where it looks like God might take me, whether it's Afghanistan and Uganda or Australia or wherever. Maybe it's a cancer ward, or maybe it's palliative care, or maybe it's something else. And we wrestle, but when we realize that God is intimately acquainted with every single detail of our lives, he knows everything actual and possible, past, present, and future, he knows every detail of every cell of your body, we can let go and say, God, you have everything under control. We can trust Him with our family. We can trust Him with our health. We can trust Him with our finances. We can trust Him with our future. We can trust God to keep His promises. Did you ever think? It's, I just thought of it when I was studying before this afternoon. God knows everything. So when God makes a promise to you, how likely is it to come true? 100%. Right? So when the Bible says, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it or complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, I can take that promise as absolutely fact. In fact, God doesn't even see me as I am. He sees me as I will be in Christ. He sees that work is already perfectly done. All the things he's taken us through to shape us and fashion us. It's like uh, Michelangelo. He was given a huge block of granite. Told to carve something out of this block of granite, Michelangelo. And so he hummed and hawed, and he stood around, and he stared at it, and he wondered, and he wondered for a while. And he, he made some sketches, and he scratched them out. And finally, he had this idea. He climbed up on a ladder, and he started taking his big hammer and chisel, and he just started pounding away. And he whacked away in great big chunks and shards and splinters of granite of flying, of marble flying in every direction. And his assistant's like, Whoa, Mike, what you doing? And he says, Oh, I got it figured out. And he knew exactly what he was doing. And as hard as he smashed away, he kept going and kept going and kept going because he had a perfect idea in his mind of exactly what he wanted to sh- shape out of that piece of marble. And it was that famous statue of David. Massive. I've seen a copy of it uh, in a museum somewhere. Huge thing. It's beautiful, perfectly formed. The muscles are so lifelike, you you think it's going to flicker in a moment. And he knew exactly what he was doing, and as the chips and shards of marble are flying in every direction, Michelangelo, like the master craftsman, knew what he was doing. What's the point? The point is that God uses sometimes big heavy hammer blows to drive away splits of granite from your life because he has something in mind to shape you and make you into his image, into the image of Christ, and he knows exactly what he's doing. You see, I don't like it when i got knee problems. I don't like it that I got a heart issue. I don't like it that I've got blood pressure. I don't like it that my hair's growing gray. I don't like it that I've got all these struggles and issues in my life. Listen, God knows every detail about you. He's got it all under control. He knows exactly what he's doing. Trust him. Let go of the anxiety and trust the Lord. The third thing I wanted to point out to you tonight, because of God's omniscience, we can be in constant prayer. This is one of those things that theologians and students of theology bash around and, and struggle with. If God is omniscient, if God knows everything, if God knows the end from the beginning, why pray? Why go to God in prayer if he already knows what he's going to do? Isn't it like a little child clamoring around his father's knees and banging on, Daddy, 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 I want to do this, or Daddy, Daddy, I want to do that? Aren't we just annoying God when we pray? It's one of those things that we wrestle with. How do we understand our responsibility and God's call on us to pray if God knows every single detail about what he's doing in our lives? And someone described it like this. I think it was D. A. Carson. He said, "God uses our prayers as part of how He brings about what He has in mind." You say, "How does that work?" Think of it like this: a father has a little boy. I happen to have three of them. Well, not so little anymore, but <laughs> when they were younger, I knew what they wanted, and you know, I, and I had plans and designs for my boys. I knew what I wanted to give them for their birthday. And you could imagine this father going out and he sees this perfect gift for his son. And maybe in two or three years time, he knows that that son will be able to use that. And with his abilities and talents, he could make something great with that particular gift. And so the father buys the gift and he tucks it away somewhere safe and he hides it where the little boy can't find it. And then he begins to put inducements around to to just just the little boy, and one day the little boy says, Daddy, what I really want for my fifth birthday, or I might say 15th birthday, what I really want for my 15th birthday is a 21-speed mountain bike, and it's got to be red, and you know, if it has those big knobby tires, and it's got all the other fancy, it's got the hydraulic brakes and all that other stuff, and the dad goes, you know, son, we'll see, that, that's possible, and the old man already knows, he's got exactly that hidden away in the closet. You see, the father knew what he wanted to do with his boy. And he had it all planned out. And he put those inducements in the way to guide his son. So one day the son would cry out, Daddy, give me that bike. You know, God puts inducements all along the path of our life. So that we'll cry out, Daddy, help me. Father, use me. Father, change my friend. Father, work in the people in this church. So we start to pray, and we pray in accordance with God's will, and he knows what he has in mind, and he begins to unfold and answer the prayers. And you say, my prayers are still pointless. No, because in the sovereignty of God, he is using our prayers, and He, as we shape ourselves, we're being made more like Christ, we begin to pray in agreement with God's will. And as we pray in agreement with God's will, he just delights to go, here you go. And we say, wow, God answered my prayer. And he did. You say, wow, God is meeting my needs. And he has. It's a wonderful thing. The omniscience of God God knows what He is doing with us. God knows where He is taking us. He knows the future He has for us. And God in His sovereign wisdom and omniscience uses both our prayers and His sovereign will to bring about what He has planned for us. I don't know what you're facing. I know some of you pretty well. Some of you not so well. And I'm willing to bet like all of us, you have some struggles and there are some things that you're wrestling with God in prayer over and struggling to understand the why question. God has everything under control. He knows what He is doing. Trust Him. There's a story. I'll, I'll close with this. There was a, I heard it years ago. Um, a preacher feller in the southern United States and he grew up and he was part of a family, I think, of eight or ten kids. And um, they come when his parents, for some reason, they couldn't deal with him. They gave him into the arms of a, an older lady who was looking after orphan kids. And this little lady had a Bible, and she, had, she was just teaching him the Bible as much as she could. And she had all these kids, and she got sick, and, and eventually she died. And there was no one left to look after little Daryl. And little Daryl at that point was about 13 years of age, and he went and lived underneath a bridge in a nearby area of his town. And he lived there, and he knew a little bit about the story of God. He knew that God loved him. And he went out with his little, all he had was a little NIV Bible. The cover was torn off. It was the only gift that this old lady had given to him. And he lived underneath this bridge, and he managed to get a job delivering papers, make enough money, and he got handouts of food and stuff, and went to school He said, I believe in the Lord. He said, one day he walked out on the edge of this bridge and he said, Lord, why? Why did you take my parents? Why did you take the only woman who showed me love? Why? And he wrestled with God as a young man of what God was doing in his life. And God gave him one answer. Trust me, I have everything under control. And he said, Lord, if if that's what you say, I'll take that. And he went back and he trusted the Lord and he went to high school and he graduated the top of his class. And he got a job out of high school and saved enough money to go to Bible school and go to seminary. And he got, a, I believe, a doctorate in some form of theology. And he resolved as an African-American man living in the deep south that he was going to start and plant and build a 50% black, 50% white church. He wanted to see integration in a 100% black neighborhood. And he went and did it. And all those years went by and Daryl kept wondering, why, Lord, why did you do that? And finally one day he got a letter in the mail and it turns out his father had died, his real father, and they made contact to find him and he found him and he went up to see. He met his family for the first time. All of his uncles were in prison. His father died in prison. Half of his brothers and sisters were in prison for drug offenses or were drug addicts or had died from drug overdoses. And late in life, in his 30s, Staying in this horrible neighborhood in the inner city of some big city of America, looking at all this stuff, God finally said, this is why. I took him out of that horrible situation, put him in a difficult one, no doubt, and said, trust me, I have everything under control. Why? Because God knows what we don't know. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we can glorify God in his omniscience as we trust him as we're absolutely honest before Him and plead with Him for help. Go to Him in prayer about whatever is on your heart that grieves and breaks your heart because God knows and God cares and God is listening. Amen? I think we have another song, but just for the sake of time, we'll just leave it be. Let's pray. Loving Father, we come before you again. Lord, there's just a few of us here. But we rejoice, O God, in your greatness. We rejoice, O God, that you know exactly what you are doing. You have everything under control. You know all things, past and present and future. Father, you know what you're going to do with us in the next hour and the next 100 years. Father, for some of us, Letting go and trusting you with the things that we can't see and can't always understand is tough. Father, give us the faith. Increase our faith, O God. Help us to search the Scriptures, reading through Psalm 139 and, and many of those passages, Lord, to see the greatness of the omniscience of God, your omniscience, your knowing of everything. Father, we rejoice in the fact that you are causing all things to work together for good. And Father, even though there's a piece of us that recoils against it, we know, O God, that there are times when cancer is for our good, when the loss of loved ones is for our good, when the loss, Father, of health, the loss of of all sorts of things, is how you're using those heavy chisels in our life to shape us and make us not into the statue of a man, but into the very living image of Christ. Father God, we plead with you that you would again do a work in this church. Father, thank you for the story of Hannah. Thank you for the way in which you're working in her life to shape her and equip her, in her Father, that she might be used for your glory. And, Father, whether you take her to Afghanistan or some other place, Father, we thank you that she has surrendered her life to be used of you. Father, we cry out to you that we would have the same surrender, trusting in your sovereign will, trusting in what you are doing in our lives. Father, we give thanks that you are a great God. Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you, Father, for filling us with your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for the word of God that we have in our hands to see and understand a little of what you are doing. And Father, thank you for the gift of faith. May it ever increase. Father, we commit this week that lies ahead into your hands. Lord, for Puvan, who is away traveling, Lord, we ask you for him. Keep him safe, O God. Father, be a source of strength and security and rest for him, we pray. Father, for Tony as he travels back to Gympie and works in the Gympie people up there, Lord, thank you for his commitment to serving you wherever you take him and wherever you place him. Lord, for Kath and all the kids, we ask you, we cry out to you, Lord, for your blessing and your strengthening and your help. Father, we pray that you would provide the needs that he doesn't even know he's going to need yet. And Father, we thank you in advance for the fact that you never fail to meet our needs. Father, we pray that you would, you would use us both, O oh God, as we have committed our lives for ministry. Father, you know you know, O oh God, that you do not call the equipped, you equip the called. So Father, I thank you for the way in which you are using men in my life and using men in Tony 's life, and using men in all of our lives to shape us to challenge us, to encourage us, to pray with us, to help us on our way. Thank You, O God, for the body of Christ that we are so privileged to be a part of. Father, we thank You for all these things. We plead with You, O God, for Your help, and we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.